Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. Uh, this is a post-game show that is great to do because I have a lot more help and a lot more people that are helping me out with this because I mean, there, there's a lot to, of, of information to break down, especially with the end of the game. I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams, and I am joined by the man now known as the underfilker, John Fulkowski. <laughs> Well, uh, if Tony D'Angelo keeps it up, uh, Gerard Gallant will take the role of the Undertaker because uh, if you haven't seen the clip that's been going around, Gerard Gallant pummeled the absolute crap out of Chris Chelios. And I'm pretty sure that Chris Chelios could probably take both Tony D'Angelo and Vinny Trocek. So I think uh, Tony should stop barking up the wrong tree if he knows what's good for him. I'll get on him in a second. But joining us as well, our Hurricanes contributor, Mr. Pete Mackin. Mark, we took a body blow yesterday. Let's talk some hockey. All right. And, yes, let's talk some hockey. First off, by the way, Gerard Gallant, he looks like he's he's ready to drop the gloves at any time. He did it several times over the course of his career. And, uh, yeah. And, fans, I, I've said this, too, about Tony D'Angelo. I don't care about Tony D'Angelo. Stop booing him. That's what he wants. He wants you to boo him, but well, let's, let's keep booing him. So we're going to review yesterday's game, guys. There's a lot, like I keep saying, a lot to break down with it. By the way, Tuesday night, I'm going to be at timeout in Hicksville. There's the address right there. And uh going to watch the game, uh, do a pool for an Adam Graves autographed jersey. Uh, some people might have already started signing up for that and uh, it'll be a great time and also do a Mark's drunk recap from there, uh, which hopefully get everybody in. All right. So Glant switched up the lines with some mixed results. I thought they were pretty good early, but not really much after the first two shifts, Carolina dominates the shot chart early. This was eye popping by the way, when it came up Carolina game two, 22 shots in the first period of game one, 17, but fortunately for the Rangers, even after an early power play, as Ray Ferraro said, and Pete, you're going to have to break this down for me, and you might as well start right now. Carolina's power play is lost. They are, and they're not the only team in the tournament that we've seen this. We've seen Florida have their issues as well. The power play issues for Carolina go back to the regular season. They're now nine for their last 92 on the power play. That's less than 10%. And with the players that we're putting out there, this should not be happening. There's too much play on the perimeter, too much skating around instead of just firing the puck. I'm starting to get really concerned and really frustrated about Tony D'Angelo keeping the puck in the middle and alongside the, the, the blue line in the middle of the ice, just not doing anything with it. We're not setting up any one-timers. We're not getting the puck inside. I think the way you get through your power play issues is you have to get the puck down low. And if you're not going to be able to move that, skate a little bit along the half boards and try to find something. Try to find some kind of seams in the defense. You look at the power play goal that the Rangers scored, right? And you have Panarin on the half boards. He skates around a little bit, hesitates just a second, finds that cross-ice pass, one-timer goal. Carolina is not doing anything of that sort right now. So I want to see a little bit of a little bit more puck movement a little bit more activity on the boards and maybe switching up some of the units is not the worst thing in the world. As I mentioned, nine for the last 92, maybe putting some different guys, especially on defense on their first unit. That might be what, what solves this. Phil, your thoughts on the Carolina power play. 
Um, Pete kind of nailed it, really. Um, Tony, what made Tony D'Angelo good Ranger power play was the fact that he would be able to walk the line and uh, move the puck effectively and create openings for the players, and they would open up those cross-scene passes because of his ability to, to, to skate and walk the line with the puck. And then, not only that, but fire off on net. I mean, he has a pretty good slap shot. Um, I would say his wrist shot would probably be better used on the power play just because he doesn't have the big booming shot. And some of the other point options we see across the NHL have like a Victor Hedman or a Roman Yossi or someone like that or a Cal McCarr. But um, Tony D'Angelo is a very, very skilled defender. I think he's in his head right now. Um, I, I think the Carolina power play needs a total re- reworking. Like Pete said, I would, uh, I would mix up the lines if I were them. And when you have an issue that's going back for the, I would say, the past maybe 20 or so games, maybe even more heading into the uh, the postseason, mm-hmm. um, when does this start to fall on Rod Brindamore to, to get things figured out? Because everybody loves Rod Brindamore. He's a great coach and everything like that. But when does this start to fall on him? Because how can you not see this over over the span of 20-plus games? Some, sometimes loyalty can blind you like that. And also that's where just imagine him chewing some gum and saying, we're getting good looks. Yeah. And Phil, you oh. made, you made, made this point. There's a bit of stubbornness involved in his, in, in the way that he, in, in the way that he, he coaches, basically, you know, he's a guy that has his way of doing things and it takes a lot for him to want to modify that way. And to your point, Nine for the last 92, that's not going to cut it. You look at what the Rangers did, right? They went into game three. They decided they were going to switch up their lines a little bit. Carolina has to do something, and I don't know if it's maybe putting two D-man on the power play, maybe put Slavin out there, have two guys on D rather than rather than go with that four forward, one D look. Switch up the guys, switch up the lines. Let's do let's do something. Skate a little bit more. I don't know what the, the answer is. If they had that answer, I would imagine that they would – roll it out, but something has to be done than this continued mode of just rolling out the same guys with the same lack of movement, with the same skating with the puck in the blue line and not generating any good looks off of that. Something has to change. I don't have the answer, but I want to see something different. Now I do have to, I do have to say this before I get to the next note that I have. And it's kind of important. There's a couple different times where I'm watching the game well yesterday and I just kept on saying, okay, here comes the shot, and then it didn't come. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not shooting the puck, it's really opportune times. That's that's also not going to help you. And right now, yeah, that's that's Carolina's power play. They are not helping themselves because you've got to get the puck to the net eventually. And, of course, you know those times you've been, especially when you're working it to get an isolation up top and then down low, get a couple, get a good deflection. I know – um uh wasn't Nita Ryder that had one early that uh, Svechnikov that had the deflection in front, but mm-hmm. and it was a good save. But we're gonna go right to the next uh, note right here, guys. Which, by the way, one of the great albums of all time, Peter Frampton. Frampton comes alive. Well, Zavanajad comes alive because he has that. That, by the way, was like a pinpoint goal that he had to have because Ronta came across uh, fantastic on that one, and. Uh, you know, they, they work the seam just as you guys just, just said. I, I 
I don't think we need to break it down as much, but Phil, go ahead, break that one down. Well, as we were talking about before, just skating and the 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 shot pass is really what does it. And we've seen Adam Fox do that. We've seen Artemi Panarin do that. They're both adept in selling shot, then going hard pass and going across with precision. And Artemi Panarin, um, for the people who are out there talking about him looking like he might have some sort of wrist, hand injury, something like that, arm injury, he put a lot of zip on that pass because the mm-hmm. Bennett literally had like slingshot that back cradle it in and then fire it so uh Panarin's got some juice on that but uh that was really good um that's how the Rangers are going to have to beat this power uh the Carolina penalty kill which was ranked best in the league in the uh the regular season and they've still been really good in the playoffs aside from their games in Boston which is just kind of weird it seems like Mm -hmm. they can't get the job done on the road on the penalty kill which is weird because it's not a matchup thing and the, the penalty yeah. kill, you 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 get you get your best penalty killers out against the top unit. So teams are always going to send out their top unit. It's not like a regular season or a, a re- or even strength uh, line matchup where you're yeah. trying to get Jordan Stahl against me because there's a or something like that. So, but it, it just it doesn't make any sense. But the Rangers found a way to get it done. Um, they need to be more consistent because their other power play wasn't nearly as good. Um, zone entry is still an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to they need to start winning those battles down low, which they did a little more of, and that was why the power play was able to. Uh, the big key to that power play was Zibanejad actually along the near side boards towards the corner where he faked like he was going to go back up to uh, the point with the puck and then turned back in, and that was able to get the puck to Fox with some room who mm-hmm. got it to Panarin, and then that was when the cross the cross seam shot pass came. So that that's a big play by Zibanejad that hasn't really been talked about at all across social media or anything. So. All right. So then uh, I know Ranger fans, we talk about that. We're not getting calls, blah, 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 though. This has been a well-officiated series, I think. And Zibanejad knocks away Tony D'Angelo's stick, leads to the Rangers having a long possession time and Chris Kreider notching his sixth of the playoffs. Pete, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, we already have talked about Tony not having a good series. You're in front of the net. Have the strength to hold on to your stick. And I understand that you might be thinking about perhaps there's a slash that could come down on your stick so you're concentrating on that. But you're a defenseman. You need to be aware that you're going to have forwards that are looking to move that stick from the bottom up. D'Angelo has to be aware that he wasn't. And this was something we discussed during our preview show last week. The Rangers' best players have to be their best players. And these two goals that they scored yesterday, the, the, the empty net or notwithstanding, those were great skill plays. And to have the presence of mind to lift up a defender's stick, feed the puck to Kreider, and that shot from Kreider, shoot, sure. you could not have placed that shot any better. And I was thinking about, no. well, really, what could Ranta have done a bit different in the two goals he gave up in? I, I struggle to really see what he could have done different. He, he moved side to side very well on the Zibanejad goal. On the Kreider goal, maybe you could split hairs and say he could have been a little bit more straighter to the puck, but just a great shot. The Rangers' best players were their, were their best players, and I don't know if it's something in the water or just being on home ice, but they looked a bit more free yesterday, and the skill that we discussed last week, that was something that we saw, and as a fan of the Hurricanes, you're concerned that they're going to start generating some more confidence 
And as this series unfolds, that skill is just going to get more obvious as they start getting more and more open ice. So uh, concerned. I'm, I'm concerned, but let's not take anything away from those two guys. Just a great skill place. All right. Because then there's a, there's a lot to unpack with what the, happened on the next goal. First, I will say that there was three stars of the game and then there's a fourth star. And I'll get to who the fourth star is in a second. But way too much space that was given the Nino Nino rider, especially by the defense. Adam Fox trying to catch up. He puts his head down, throws a backhander on that, gets a cheap goal. Mm-hmm. Now, Igor Sesterkin did not uh, – that, that's one he would want back. And as we all know, if we play the game, on a backhander, usually your head's down, so you have no eyes to gauge with. So the goalie's kind of guessing where the puck's going to be. Now, after that, the fourth star of the game would be the crowd at Madison Square Garden who start chanting Igor after that to make sure that his confidence is still up. They were great during the game. Uh, I was concerned about whether or not the crowd was going to be good because I saw a lot of pictures of empty seats early, but they were great, and they got louder and louder and louder in, in the third period. Uh, Phil, your thoughts on that? I, uh, I saw your post about that from the account, um, and, yeah, you're right. Right away, fans just got loud and supported Igor instead of, you know, staying silent and, you know, gasping and, you know, being Igor usually isn't – he doesn't get flapped by much. There's not much that really gets to him. And There's a guy that, by the way, he, he allowed two goals on his first two NHL shots. Yeah, and then what did he do? He won that game 5-3 against Colorado. And the mm-hmm. only reason why those two goals scored, one, a deflection. Uh, Adam Fox and Brady Shea let Nathan McKinnon walk in. Oh, Nathan McKinnon's the guy that's right. You don't have to worry mm-hmm. about him. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that guy scoring on a breakaway or anything. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like Hen- not like Henrik Lundqvist wasn't embarrassed by him in uh, the world uh, the World Cup of Hockey in 2016 or anything. Yeah, oh, no, that never no. happened. No threat. But back back to the actual point. Now Igor doesn't get phased by much, and it, it was good. You're right. Uh, definitely four star the crowd. It's funny because I uh, I have a friend that was at the game, and he sent a picture of. Uh, the arena before the game. I don't know how long exactly, maybe like 15, 20 minutes beforehand, something like that. And it looked kind of empty, but it, it sure as hell wasn't during game time. So that, that was a big advantage for them. And that's all that mattered in the end. And um, that was one of the, okay, well, actually let me do this last one. Yeah. Day games do pile in slowly and there is going to be had, a night game to- coming in. On, uh, on point. And, uh, I thought, by the way, this is just one of my notes that I had on here. I thought the Rangers were at their best when they were playing a collapsing style, getting lower and lower. You want to give them the the top of the circles, fine. But they were trying; they were doing their best to keep it out of the house. They surrendered a lot more shots. But you know something I said earlier with Anthony on Saturday: they're going to have to open it up in order to beat Carolina. I think that's just what I think. And of course, Ty Domi to end the game slashes uh, Ryan Lindgren, causes a melee. You know, his dad didn't do that in the past. Not at all. So, no. And um, Gerard Gallant with this comment, if they want to, if that's the way they want to play, we got four more games and guys that can play like that. The the thing that makes me nervous when he says the words, we got four more games, please, Gerard, just make it three more, wrap this up. Uh, my heart can't take it. 
I feel I feel like I should wear a heart monitor and uh, just just hold <laughs> on for dear life. There. All right. So, guys, give me some of your thoughts post uh, post game and what you're thinking. Phil, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what do the Rangers need to do to tie the series? Just keep doing what they're doing. They obviously got in Carolina's heads yesterday. Uh, you got Max Domi acting like a jackass again. Tony D'Angelo is on point. I mean, these are two guys that oh, yeah, are- I accidentally said. I accidentally said Ty, not Max. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. Now, Ma- Ma- now, Max Domi is just you know he he's got a history of this. When things don't go his way, he gets like this. Tony D'Angelo is another one, same thing. And I obviously, like I said before, he's in his own head right now. So get get on those guys, and and because if those guys start to get going, that's bad news for the Rangers. Um, you want them to be off their game. You want them to be in their own heads. You want them to start making uh, more mistakes, kind of like how Mark would ever call everybody Justin, but that, that's another story. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I would do whatever they have doing yesterday. The Rangers played hard. They won a lot of battles um, down low and along the boards that they weren't winning in previous games. Um, even Chris Kreider had said it. You got to start winning those battles, and they did yesterday. Uh, they showed more life. Uh, Jordan Stahl is always going to be a handful just because of his size and his strength and how good he is on his skates for a big guy. But um, you start taking it to them and start hitting them. Sebastian Ajo wants to go around and, and hit everything that moves. Okay, go hit him back and hit him back twice as hard. And then if you know if, if they want to get chippy, you know, get chippy with them a little bit, but don't retaliate. Don't go over the line. Keep doing what they did yesterday because Carolina is going to continue to take penalties if that's the case. And if the Rangers' power play is starting to wake up, that's really, really bad news for Carolina then. Just to, just to continue what you're saying on one thing, the hit that he threw on Zibanejad in the first period, I just went, oh. And then Zibanejad, of course, gets up. That's all great news. Uh, but also Zibanejad, by the way, another great scoring chance he had was intercepting that D'Angelo pass at the blue line, taking it all the way down. And if it didn't go off the numbers, then it, it was in the net for uh, for him. And also, uh, this first two goal lead of the series for a team, an actual two goal lead, not that I'll I'll use the word correctly, Biz. One point eight seconds, two goal lead, Pete. So what if so? In the Hurricanes' perspective, what did they have to do in order to? Uh, get the 3-1 lead. Mark, this was the concern. And what we saw at the end of the game yesterday with the behavior of D'Angelo, with Domi Slash, this is exactly what Carolina cannot afford to do. Phil said it. The Rangers are are in our heads right now. And you could look at the 44 shots, but how many of them were of a high quality? None were. We talked about last week about not getting involved in physical play with these guys. Now that's exactly what we're doing. We're seeing the Rangers' skill edge emerge, which is what we didn't want to have happen. Carolina must stay disciplined. If they just skate, if they avoid those post-whistle scrums, if they stay disciplined to their game, they will have a good chance to win this game four. I thought the game went rather well for the most part. As a Hurricanes fan, I wasn't too upset about the effort yesterday. I thought they did – I thought they had a chance to win – based upon the way that they ended up playing for the, for the, for the whole game. It, it was not a bad, a, a bad, a bad game, but the penalties have to be avoided. And the Rangers are in our heads right now. 
that can't happen. Uh, there's too many personalities that are on this team that, as you guys know, will combust and it could end very, very badly. Now, the other thing I want to mention about Max Domi, Max Domi was a guy that, if you remember last week, I said that we need to have a big series out of him, and he's basically the X factor for Carolina. Max Domi played nine minutes yesterday. Steven Lorenz was the only Carolina Hurricane who played less. Uh, Domi has been relegated to the fourth line. I thought he was going to be on the second after the way the series ended against Boston. He hasn't done anything, and as Phil alluded to, Domi is the kind of guy that will begin to sulk if he's not going to get his way. And I still think Carolina is going to be in control of this series until they lose a game at home. But we are seeing chinks in the armor, and we see that blueprint of how you beat Carolina. So I don't think they're in any sort of trouble yet, but that game plan is out there on how to beat us. I do have to say, Rod, and I'm going to turn uh, because I see Phil wants to say something. Uh, I know from for me right now, I'm a renter. I can't wait to be a landowner. And one guy that owns some land on the ice is Jordan Stahl in that face-off circle and the Rangers. By the way, not only that, I also said this. The New York Rangers, their face-off coverage is pathetic. The, the, uh, the, the Hurricanes are winning draws, and they're getting to exactly where they want to go. Everybody, they're crisscrossing forwards. They're moving forwards back. They're generating shots that way. No, that's that. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. Um, one more question because I know Pete, you're up against it, and I we talked about this before. Phil jumped on with us, and I almost can't wait to hear what Phil is about to say. But my last, my last question, and then we're going to do a little bit more discussion. Is is ESPN trying to ruin hockey? Like really? They, some they cut the bad camera angles, um, and just. Just if there's any way to ever do anything wrong, it feels like they're doing it. That's that's just my thought. Without without trying to say, I mean, I actually I like Ray Ferraro, I like Emily Kaplan, and the, there's lots of times where they're doing a great job. It's just and sometimes the stats they bring up, but just other times you go, why why are we on this angle, Philk? I I was complaining about this earlier on in the year when I was doing a lot of my streams and I was just saying like, why are they doing these weird camera angles? Please stop doing them. They continue to do them. It's annoying. They're trying to appeal to casual fans and give them a view of how it's because let's just take a look into this from like an outsider perspective. If you're coming into, um, you know, watching the hockey game for the first time, you're trying to follow the puck. It's probably going to be a little easier to follow the puck from that view for a, somebody who doesn't really know how to follow the puck, but mm. for us, and, you know, hard, you know, diehard fans who understand how the game works and flows, you don't want to see this angle. It's annoying. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. So if they want to give it to them and like a, and like kind of like a like a, like a sub view, if you will, like like kind of like a cornered little shot, so that that way you know maybe it helps those other fans. Sure, okay, I understand that, but not the entire game and not the entire game, not uh, significant chunks of the entire game. It's just, it's stupid. Yeah. Pete. Mark, I have two thoughts about this. I think ESPN right now is feeling the pressure because the TNT and the TBS broadcast is simply more compelling and more fun than the ESPN one. Mm -hmm. Take a guy like Paul Bissonette, like him or not, 
the fact of the matter is that people will tune in to see what this guy is going to do. You have a loose cannon like Rick Tockett on the show. You have a guy like Anton Carter who who knows his hockey. It's a little bit of a better broadcast, I think, than ESPN. They recognize this. They feel some pressure. ESPN is trying to be a little bit more fun. Yesterday in the studio, you have Kevin Weeks sitting there with his goalie glove. Steve Levy must have asked him like six times, why are you wearing that goalie glove? They're trying too hard to have fun instead of just sticking to the hardcore hockey, which is why people are tuning in to watch. They're trying too hard to create this product that they don't need to make. Just stick to the meat and potatoes, which is broadcasting quality hockey, which is what us fans want to watch. The other thing about this ESPN broadcast, and I go back to the first day of the season. So Seattle's first game that they played was against Vegas, right? Vegas jumps out. I think they had a 3 nothing lead within the first period. Early in the second period of that game, ESPN went to this ridiculous camera angle where, like, they had this drone behind the goal line, maybe 20 feet off the ice, 30 feet off the ice, and they didn't have any audio for about two minutes. Yep. Could you have imagined if the first goal in Seattle Kraken history was not even broadcast by an announcer because (laughs) you have a drone trying to have all these ridiculous camera angles to show what they can do? Just the decisions that they make can just be asinine. And they're trying too hard to make this product better when it doesn't need to be. Hockey fans will tune in to watch hockey. They do not need to mess around with it. Mark, I'm with you. I I don't know if they're trying to ruin hockey, but I would tell you that the approach they're taking is not working for hardcore hockey fans. And and it's not like they don't have talent on there. I mean, Steve Levy is a good uh, studio host slash play-by-play guy if they want to use him that way. Uh, you got Butchergross, who who certainly cares a lot and is great on every – and he's an even better uh, studio guy than he is a play-by-play guy. He's a pretty yes. good play-by-play yeah. play guy, too. I want him I want him in the studio or I want him on color. I, I Absolutely. Love, yeah. I And Pete's, Pete's totally on because that was what I wanted to say. I – you can just tell ESPN or trying so hard to be the cool, funny, fun show when they just don't have that. But the thing is with TNT, with guys that they have, it just comes naturally to them for some reason. And that's what yep. makes their coverage better. Mm-hmm. And please, for the love of God, ESPN, fix your damn audio. Please fix the audio because it's like, it's, it's ahead of the video by like, Five seconds or three to five seconds. They, they scored yeah. when the ring scored the goal yesterday from Zibanejad. I heard um, the call before the puck was even in the net. I'm like, wait, what the hell? It was just like by about two seconds. Like, please, not hard. ESPN should not be having these production issues. Yeah, it's kind of like you're the worldwide leader in sports, and yet there's so many production issues. So, guys, I got to ask you this. What is the other thoughts you guys have coming out of the games? Or this game, I mean. Let Pete go because he's got time. Or short, yeah. short My thought coming out of game three is that this, from a positive hurricane perspective, I like the fact that we played. I could argue that the way we played yesterday may have been the best 60 minutes that we've played. I know people want to talk about game two. I didn't mind the game yesterday. I thought we played well for the most part. That gives me confidence that if they can duplicate the effort in game four, 
eliminate these unnecessary penalties, stay disciplined. Carolina is going to be a hard team to beat if they do what they need to do. What concerns me is that yesterday we saw the blueprint on how to beat this team. If you can get them to take undisciplined penalties, and if you can get into the head of these guys, they can unravel. And I'm getting a little bit concerned about all these questions that Rod Brindamore is getting about D'Angelo and the edge that he plays with. The more that you talk about a player's edge and what he brings to the team and that you like that, what you're basically saying is that it's becoming a problem and you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop and for things to unravel in a really bad way. So I'm going to try to look at this glass half full and say that we played well, duplicate that effort. We should win game four. My concern though, is that that blueprint is out there. And if we start to see D'Angelo not behaving the way he needs to behave, ditto for Max Domi and taking these undisciplined penalties, this could get ugly quickly. Phil. You know what's funny is I, I, I said prior when we did our preview video, the three of us, that um, that this would be closer than many expected. And you could argue that at least two of the three games the Rangers should have won. And the third and the second game for the Rangers, the one that Carolina won a little more decidingly, um, I, I still think that was a winnable game for the Rangers. So the Rangers have – it's three games in, and the Rangers have proven they can play with this team. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they could play with this team the way that they did, uh, the way that they have so far. So um, I, I don't think this is Carolina playing bad. I think the Rangers are better than people, even myself, have given credit for. So and um, Especially after what we saw Saturday, uh, Friday night. It was – there was a lot of doubt. Yeah, there was a lot of doubt. And Carolina um, – Still no wins on the road in the playoffs. Still none. So uh, if the Rangers win this next game, it's a completely different series, and they have momentum going back to Raleigh for game five. And it, it, and like Pete said, at that point, if the Rangers win the game on the road, I think that the first team to win a road game in this series is winning the series. Uh, and that's what it comes down to for me. So, And by the way, speaking about which, Phil, I got a poll up for that right now. 28 votes are in. Will the New York Rangers tie the series Tuesday night? 89% says yes. Wow. Rangers have a damn good chance of doing it. Oh, I know they got a damn good chance. I, I love the confidence, guys. I mean, I have not seen that much confidence should... in this. And Ziggy, you're right I'm about that. Comment here. One game, they should have won game one. Should have won game one, could have won game one, didn't win game one. This is kind of eerily reminiscent, in a way, of the 2018 series, sorry, 2017 series versus the Ottawa Senators. And the game game one of that series was kind of like uh, game two, or sorry, game one of this series versus game two. Uh, game one of that series, that's one that they banked it off of Lundqvist's head. It was uh, Eric Carlson. And... That was the one where Ottawa really oh, shut my. things down. Game two was the Brady Shea two goal overtime thing. Mm-hmm. I have referred to that game an awful lot. But then the Rangers win game three in a pretty good fashion and then win game four in a dominating fashion. And then they go to Ottawa, they take the lead. Derek Brassard ties it late. And then uh, Kyle Turris uh, ends it. So I think oh, Anderson is- again in overtime getting walked and falling down. What else is new? Yeah, and I still think Igor Sesterkin is not only back, playing well, 
but Ferraro throughout this stat, since he got pulled in game three, he's allowed 13 goals. Keep in mind, he allowed, I think it was five in game four and got pulled again. So it so Sturkin's on top of his the, game. The, the number sets are minuscule. Yeah. And if and if that's the change, that's 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 good news for the Rangers. Not necessarily bad news for the Hurricanes. All they gotta do is win home games. Well, Mark, you're right. And all the Canes have to do, if the Canes hold serve at home, they will win the series, obviously. This is unfolding the same way as the series against Boston, right? Where they have solid home efforts, go on the road become undisciplined, give up a couple of goals on the power play that they really should not be giving up. The difference between this series and the last series is twofold. Number one, the Rangers have that guy in net. There wasn't anybody who was in net for Boston that has this factor that could get into your heads a little bit. And then the second part of it too is that with so many different, so many former Rangers that we have on this team, I can't listen to somebody tell me that that does not have an impact on this. That is getting into the head of our guys we saw two guys yesterday that just completely unraveled at the end of the game. Those kind of things are going to linger from game to game. And if it does not get addressed quickly, then it's going to be very difficult for Carolina to, to come back in this series and play the, the level that they can play at if those things don't get cleaned up. So uh, I still want to be optimistic as a Hurricanes fan, but, man, we saw that blueprint yesterday on how this team can be beat. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's, it's, and it's really kind of showing. And by the way, if you're Tony D'Angelo, what you should be thinking about just shut it up. isn't the home crowd. It yeah. isn't, it isn't getting reactions. Just trying to get under people's skin. You're never that much of an antagonist anyway. And the last thing is you're playing Pete, for a Pete contract. Play. Pete really just said it best. Just shut up. Yeah. Just play. But this is what the Tony D'Angelo problem has always been. I know. And it, uh, John and mine first, broadcast together i said to him i think don't i think the rangers are done with tony d'angelo and i think that's the reason that that was after they had game one of the series and he took a four minute double minor with a delay a game in there for slamming the door to the penalty box and the rangers were just like why are we dealing with this guy when and adam fox is there and uh i know nils longquist was in the pipeline it's just and then of course the Georgiev incident happened. Yeah, and, Mark, uh, and as we talk about D'Angelo, right, we're drawing attention to his behavior at the end of the game. He's been the worst hurricane in these three games. I'm not seeing any kind of efficient stretch passes from him. On the defensive end, he's not where he should be. The one goal the Rangers scored in Carolina was a direct result of him just throwing the puck behind him without paying attention. He did that again yesterday. He had the puck behind the net and just threw this undisciplined uh, pass on the sideboard that led to a scoring chance. So, yeah, we need more from him. He has been the worst hurricane so far. You need to get out of my head. I was literally just about to say that about that blind turnover that he made. Yeah. What was that? The second? Yeah. I, I, I was like, what? My are you God. Doing? Just, look. No, look passes. It's unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was game one where somebody just threw a no look pass to no one. I, I don't even remember. I, I can't remember who it was. I did look up and go, nice drop pass. And not that I didn't have my fair share of those in my playing days as well. Cause I drop it off going, I got the defense betrayal in me. Oh wait, the defense was changing. 
Patrick okay. Nemeth did that in a game against San Jose this year. Literally threw the puck straight across the Rangers' defensive blue line. <laughs> Nobody this puck. I literally just went, what are you doing? There was nobody there. I think Schneider was playing with him. I think it might have even been Schneider's first game. Yes, it was. It was Schneider's first game. Oh, my he God. It was the Santa- the- Literally, yeah, in San Jose. He threw the puck straight across his own defensive blue line. Nobody was there for it. It resulted in a turnover. I was like, how are you even playing defense when you do crap like that? Tony D'Angelo pulled a Nemeth yesterday with that pass. And pulling a Nemeth is not a good thing, folks. No. Unless you're taking a rocket into the sun, as Phil likes to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> as, as Phil likes to always say, shoot Patrick Nemeth into the sun. Wow. I mean, I, I that's usually a fate they have for um, the Transformers on every single one of their shows. But that's not really the case on this one. Um, I got to bounce, uh, boys. Yes, I was about to say, you got to bounce. Pete, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for yeah, having definitely. me, guys. Okay. All right, take yeah, care. Looking forward, looking forward to the next time. Pete Mackin. Yay. <laughs> whoop, whoop. I lost Phil for a second. Okay. Also because uh, yeah, Pete cut out right there. We're going to go about another um, – you good for another 20 minutes, Phil? How, how long? 20 minutes. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be an actual 20 minutes, guys. My head hit the pillow at 6.15 last night. So it, um, unfortunately, the, the we're going to be cutting it short. 43 people are watching right now, which is great to see because clearly I like to all 43 right there. And uh, make sure you guys are hitting the like on there. 87% of people are saying right now that the New York Rangers are going to tie this series. And I, Phil, I got I to gotta agree with the, all the people that are saying yes. I, I got to agree with them, too. Uh, I just think the Rangers might have figured out that Carolina, one, is uh, not as good of a team on the road. I think the Rangers found 20 minutes to call. <laughs> no, no. Oh, God. Oh, I can't. I still can't believe that happened. But that's amazing. Uh, um, that was that was like the, that story that I had to tell you. And, uh, and then, I mean, Anthony, of course breaking the news is was even better and is a troublemaker but he's we love him but he's he's definitely a shit disturber if you will um so yeah i i think the rangers figured out that they one i think they're starting to believe and i think that's the most powerful thing in all of sports is the power of belief when you believe when you truly believe like ray ferraro said what did ray ferraro say when i asked him about that whole matchup in that series in Pittsburgh in 93. Well, I didn't think I and could. And by the way, I played the interview. Yeah. I yeah. played that interview at the bar last night and uh, they, he basically said, I couldn't cover it for a series. And Al Arbor said, can you cover it for one shift? And then and that's all it takes. back to the bench and Al Arbor said, can you do it again? To believe. And that's to me, that's the most important thing, the most powerful thing in all sports is when you believe you can win, you will, you can win games at that point. And it, it just, it makes it, it's confidence, it's swagger, it's, it's an air of, of just, again, the word confidence. I, I just that, you know, I've repeated myself, but it, it, it is what it is. Um, no. The second thing, 
I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, Phil. Uh, the second thing would be Carolina is not as good of a team on the road because, as we talked about, it's matchups. Yep. Matchup of Ball against Savannah Jad, and they're not getting the matchups that they want. And, and, and that's a big reason as to why they couldn't beat Boston. I tell you right now, the Rangers have a much better lineup up and down than Boston does. They're a much deeper team. Uh, they yep. have better center depth. Um, they they have better depth on the wings. Uh, and I think their bottom six is better than Boston's bottom six. So if if they can continue to exploit that, and and the Rangers' kit line has been better than both other three lines from their top line uh, throughout, this ser- uh, throughout the playoffs, if you ask me. So... Um, that's another thing, and you know, it, you you tie this game up, you take advantage of that of the matchups, yes. and um, <laughs> we'll get there one day yeah. for that. We will get there one day. Um, it, it's a lot of you know, work the, on his shoulders. Yeah, it's it's tough right now. Sorry, but um, you know, the, again, it, it, it's matchups, and they have a. They have a they have a bit they have a great thing going right now. The Rangers just take advantage of the matchups tomorrow, get in Carolina's head again. And then another thing to me, and this is just something that was just brought up. You might play by the end of this series. And that could be a real shot in the arm, especially with a guy like him with size, speed, skill, and a physical edge that gets under people's skin. Could you imagine Sammy Blay running around and just nailing people and just absolutely crunching people with big board checks? I mean, that's going to give the Rangers a big shot in the arm, and it's a player that Carolina is not going to want to play against. Um, yeah. Goudreau, you might not see him back, but if he gets back sometime this series, oh boy, that could yeah. be, again, I mean, another that's, player that could be a lot of trouble. That is just it's, – it's one of those things – you're you're dinged up, and by the way, if they get back Sammy Blay, a guy who has already been on a Stanley Cup run, Barkley Goudreau, a guy who has won the last two Stanley Cups, it's just Experience. that's huge mentally, and they're already like talking to the guys in the locker room. Like Reeves went on a run; he didn't win the cup. Like those are guys that already won the cup. They're actually the last. Uh, if you put them all th- together, obviously, because Pat Maroon would say the same thing. They won the last three cups, but um, two by Goudreau and then one by Blay. And Blay has got a never mind Blay's talent. Blay's talent level is great. He's got a bomb for a shot. But uh, let's go to what Ziga said right here, real quick, and then we'll get back to the Rangers. Because how dumbfounded are you by that series, the uh, the Lightning and Panthers? Uh, I'm not dumbfounded that the Lightning are. Are winning. Uh, I, I mean, I said they would win. I would say they would win in seven. Uh, I am dumbfounded by again. They're a part of another team where the power play just isn't working. They're mm-hmm. getting chances and it's not working. And it's it's funny because you, you again you look at the Panthers. You thought this would be the year. I, I, we were going through this, and I said there there's they had the experience of losing to Tampa last year. And I thought that was going to that between that and the regular season, I thought that was their experience to go out and go win the cup. You got, uh, um, Claude Giroux on the team. Now 
so it was a very steady hand, and Tampa's just handled them. I think Tampa, that's it's more that Tampa's just handled them than anything else. I don't think there's a team that's going to beat Tampa. Uh, I will say this. I think the Rangers match up better against Tampa than almost any team that's left in the playoffs right now. But I don't think there's anybody that's beating Tampa. I, I just don't see it. I, I, I think Colorado, if Sam Gerrard's out for any period of time, that could really hurt them in, in this series against uh, St. Louis. Um, and I don't know if Colorado would beat their next opponent, depending on who it is, if Sam Gerrard's out. Um, I just don't see anybody beating Tampa. I, I think Tampa has a swagger to them. Even with Brady points out, we, we've seen Steven Stamkos out and that team steps up. So yeah. it, it, to Braden point, we, he's one of the best playoff players in the entire league right now. But, geez, I, I don't know if there is anybody that can beat Tampa. And you want a great example about Tampa Bay? Just go to uh, yesterday's power play. Uh, and I was picking up lunch at the time that Florida goes on the power play down two to one with a chance to tie. Yes, they have flurry after flurry of chances. I, power play expires. Tampa goes back the other way. Kucherov, Stamkos, good night. I was going to say that. I had a call in right when uh, I was about to say that, funny enough. And that's why I kind of <laughs> got disconnected for a second. But, um, yeah, it, it, it just it, it's a huge momentum swing. And not only that, but you're, you're seeing guys on Tampa start to step up. You're seeing Nick all make big plays. You're, you're, you're seeing Brandon Hagel, you know, play that hard, grinding, annoying game that nobody wants to play against. Uh, Florida, the big thing with Florida right now is that, you know, Jonathan Huberto has been, or Justin, as Mark likes to call him, has been silent. Jonathan Huberto has played more like Justin Huberto. In this yes, season. he has. Yes, he has. So, He's got yes. one more assist than Justin Huberto. Yeah, he, he does. And Alex Barkov, Sasha Barkov has been uh, good, but he's got to be better too. Um, where's where's Sam Bennett? Where's Sam Reinhart? Where's Anthony Duclair? Where are these guys? And they're yeah. they're not showing up. Um, I I don't I, I don't think that um, they are going to win this series, Florida. I I think they're done tonight, probably. Uh, I, I just don't see it. And the one thing that makes the difference between Tampa Bay and everybody else is come playoff time, Andre Vasilevsky goes into God mode. He is a cheat code in mm-hmm. the in, in the in the postseason. So um, I, I I think if anything, anybody that faces Tampa Bay, you're automatically probably at that and saying, "Oh crap, we've got to face this guy, this six foot." five behemoth that moves like he's five foot nine in mm-hmm. net. Like he moves like Darren Pang, but he's six foot five and covers 75% of the net. It's just standing there. So it's, it's like the, it's like the walrus in the Geico commercials. Come on. It's a walrus. <laughs> I love that commercial. It's, yeah. It's one of those things that just it makes absolutely no sense. It, well, not even that it makes no sense. It is just it's it's the silly fun. That's what you want in a commercial like that. Oh come on, yeah, that that they're screaming. Come on, it's a walrus. Um, but it's not just. And by the way, Johnny Red, I got to say this. I understand the terms. It's not, it's not just. It's sometimes it can be choking. There are lots of teams that choke. 
I think in this particular case with the Panthers, I think it's just that Tampa has the switch. And when you have that experience and the other team can't get past you, Florida had their chance. I think it was game one, Philk, and that's it. As soon as they don't get that 2 nothing goal, I think they had a goal wiped off the board, too. And then Tampa comes back the other way. There's our opportunity. And then that, uh, what's the expression? If you leave the door up front and they smash through, well, they, they, they smash like Hulk smash. Oh, which, by the way, that yeah. reminds me, everybody, uh, make sure you smash that like. And also, yeah, also, if you haven't, like, share, and subscribe as well. Uh, I like the new but, graphics. Yeah, I found some new ones. I, I don't like that it obscures our faces too much, but... No. I'm yeah. Lower, you know, somehow. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be working on that. I'll see if I can I can get that done. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. I, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I was going to say that. I mean, that's the advantage with Tampa. That they, I mean, you're you're going to be facing arguably the best goalie in the world and the best goalie in terms of playoff production. I mean, he is just absolutely the stopper. Like, I remember how when the Yankees got CC Sabathia in 09, um, they would go out there and they would lose the game, and then CC Sabathia would come out, and Andy Pettit notorious for this too. after a loss when Pettit or Sabathia pitched they we were just lights out because they knew they had to stop the bleeding and Vasilevsky is one of those guys who knows how to stop the bleeding after a loss and it's just like okay you beat me now I'm pissed now you're not beating me it's like when Patrick Wall wanted to like when he said that he wasn't allowing another goal for the rest of that series against Florida <laughs> He's just like, okay, I, I'm not going to now allow another goal. That That's it. And Andre Vasilevsky can absolutely do that to any team out there that he wants to. And that's the scary part. That's why I think Tampa Bay is probably going to three-peat. I, I, and, just, I can't see them right now. And I got to agree with you on one thing because uh, Vasilevsky 2.0 is in net for the New York Rangers. So, and if – yeah. Um, Pittsburgh might have had their couple of games, but I think Igor got his, his bad games out of the out of his system, and now he's locked in again, and that's bad news. That's bad. That's bad for a lot of teams, and that's why for the Rangers, they just gotta they gotta tie the series Thursday night, go to Carolina, and then try to do what they did against Montreal back in again 2017, where just keep it close. Um, if you go to overtime, that's fine. But I think you do have to – I Anthony disagreed with me. But uh, I think you have to open up the game. You have to do what you did last night. Sacrifice a lot of shots. Fine. But they really didn't give them up much in the house. And No, no you're right. And, that, and yeah. that's where I, I think that uh, – it's a big improvement for the Rangers because they, they made – for a team that bled out shot attempts before the trade deadline, what they were – 29th I think in the league or 20 I, I I can't remember the exact stat but I think they were 29th in the league in shots against before the trade deadline and then they were first in the league in shots against the fewest after the trade deadline to end the regular season so I mean it's a big marked improvement from uh you know before and after and and, and I would say that for the Pittsburgh series Pittsburgh. Oh, Phil, let me let me correct you on that it wasn't just Shots against it was scoring chances. 
they were 24th in the league at giving up high dangerous scoring chances. And then they went down to one, number one. So um, that, that was incredible. And the other thing, uh, the other thing is it's sort of like if there's one play that's going to live in my head a little bit is, isn't the Capococco miss everybody. It's not that one. Um, which by the way, Ray Ferraro, do you got to kill him on that one? It, it's like, Oh, Caco's missed another open net. No, not that one. That was the first shift. And that was just a quick bang, bang pass. and just missed him. But it's, it's going to be that t- that game tying goal from Wednesday night where I don't understand why Miller presses at the, at the blue line to Seth Jarvis, but then you go down low and Panarin's not really skating that far back. Aho, uh, makes the save. And if, like this, the picture I sent in the group chat. There's Truba with a guy on him. There's, um, I think it's Ryan Strom covering no one. Panarin's in the slot within reach. Just guys, you, you gotta go press the puck carrier. Everybody knows this. I know you're. I know you might be thinking, "Oh, my forward, I shouldn't be this low." Well, it doesn't matter at that moment. Go get the puck carrier. Then at that point, go get the puck carrier. That is a hundred percent right. Um, yeah, Johnny, the the. Tampa, I won't say coasted, but they had their issues, and they had times where they uh, were real it, good. It, that's pretty close. Uh, there were just some things that I didn't like um, that play, and then in game two, uh, with maybe just over two minutes left, and the Rangers pulled the goalie. Um, I forget who it was was skating after the puck to try to seal it with the empty netter. And Adam Fox is literally just lazily coasting after him instead of going after the puck and trying to win the battle. Like, what were you doing yeah. there? Like, well, that, I mean, that, Adam Fox looks like he's been getting the shit kicked out of him this entire series. Well, you know what? He's going to have to play through it. And, you know, while you're at it, buddy, um, beef up in the offseason and work on your skating because. They're starting to figure your head fakes and everything like that out. And if if those aren't going to work anymore, you're going to need to improve your speed and you're going to need to improve your strength because you're not going to continue to get by on this if they figured it out. And for all the older fans in the chat, um, and I think, Phil, you might remember some of this too, but when it comes to when it came to the 90s Rangers, how did you stop the 90s Rangers? You took Brian Leach out. That's how you did it. And look what happened when you did it. When he was the most dominant player in hockey, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I mean, that 94 run from Brian Leach was as good as any. Um, just something. When you could get, when, when you could get uh, Don Cherry to admit that he was the best non-Canadian to win a Conn Smythe, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got to say this, and it this is unrelated to the Rangers, but uh, speaking of dominant playoffs, can we talk about Connor McJesus and just what he's doing in Edmonton? In 23 points in 10 playoff games. You do realize that two, two things that I want to point out about this. One, if they win this playoff round, Connor McDavid has a legitimate chance at becoming third player in NHL history to record 40 or more points in a single postseason. We thought Nathan McKinnon was going to do it last year, but that ended up not happening. Um, the other thing, Connor McDavid's only 25 years old. 
He's mm-hmm. got 40, 46 career after last night or 45 career points in the playoffs at only 25 years old. Let's just say they win this series. He gets a chance to add on to more. He and he they end this postseason with somewhere around 50, 55 points. Connor McDavid has a legitimate chance to break the 100 career point mark in the by before he hits the age of 30 years old. You know what that gives him? That gives him a legitimate chance to challenge Wayne Gretzky's all-time playoff career points mark. And as I said, as I said in our group chat, it's more amazing. Wayne Gretzky has those playoff point marks that are ridiculously high. He, he had Stanley Cup runs. Connor McDavid's been out in four to Winnipeg. He was um, now. By the way, do those stats include the playing round? Uh, but anyway, that's that, yeah. that's out in four to uh, the Blackhawks. He had. One playoff series victory win until the right now. So, and he's gonna and he's gonna be right there. That's just that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, I I just I I I have never seen somebody dominate like this. I, I ninety and ninety six Lemieux. Um, but he did it against guys who wouldn't be playing in today's right now guys that would never survive. McDavid is doing it against today's competition with today's rules against four that Lemieux faced back then. And McDavid is just... What's that? Big thing that you said right there is today's rules. There's a lot more clutching and grabbing that slowed Lemieux down. Yeah. And and yeah, that that's, that's also the thing. It's, it's the rules. I think if the clutching and grabbing didn't exist, I think Mario probably would have had three point per game seasons in 93 and 96. And that would have just been unheard of, unreal, never seen again. But um, McDavid Mm. is so doing just as that never, no one would have ever thought that somebody would be scoring two points per game in the playoffs in today's era. No one. That's it's unreal, it's unreal. And let me use a, a great um, Gretzky had talent and much better talent around him, but don't they? It was he was still Wayne Gretzky, um, yeah, he was Wayne Gretzky. So let, me, let me use this uh, this metaphor that or this uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the, the other word to use or euphemism, I should say, from baseball when you used to when you say the guy's got a great first step. And usually they make a good read or they're, they're stealing a base and they're, their first step, they're just gone. And McDavid has got that. McDavid is just straight up the ice and then just goes boop like that. He's like a video game character. And it's, it, it, he's just so ridiculous. Phil, uh, by the way, speaking about that series in that game, what's your thoughts on Milan Lucic uh, running Mike Smith? He's no, I, I just he's done it before, and he 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 was involved in one of the worst uh, runs ever when he ran Ryan Miller like flat out just ran. Milan Lucci should be suspended. Sorry, but you know I, I don't care what anybody says. I don't. It, I there was no attempt to stop 
He knew exactly what he's doing. He's done this before, and he's got a history. Suspend Milan Lucic. Suspend him. And even though it was his own man that actually collided into him, what about Nazem Kadri making contact with uh, and having that play going towards the net and Jordan Bennington getting knocked out of the series? That's a different story. Um, there's contact. There's it, it's a it's an apples to oranges situation. Kadri plays on the edge. We all know that Nazem Kadri is not exactly a saint, but I'm willing to give Nazem Kadri much more of the benefit of the doubt than Milan Lucic, who has a proven past of doing this to several goalies. Um, he's the worst with it. Montreal fans, I know. Oh, Chris Kreider. Um, learn how a pro stock stick bends like that and, and, and talk to me about what tripping is and then come back to me. If you want to yeah. have a discussion about Chris Ryder and the, and the, cause you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, and by I'm the way, you gave... get... finish, finish that sentence. I'm willing to give Nazem Kadri the benefit of the doubt, not for Milan Lucic. And I was waiting for Nazem Kadri to have a Milan Lucic type of play and then he's done for the playoffs because after all you can uh three things you can count on death taxes and Nazem Kadri finishing his season being suspended but it's uh Johnny Red's got that right there and that's exactly my answer on it too is he's no saint but there's nothing wrong with that play and a matter of fact um yeah he's it's it was just a good hard hockey play the other one you're right about that you got to suspend him you got to suspend Milan Lucic. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, we'll do another five more minutes. I am going to get some sleep, guys. It's yeah. It's it is just one of those things for me. It's uh, I got like I said before to everybody. I got in at six fifteen in the morning, so or it's 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 been a rough night. Um, but yeah, dirty play by D. Yeah, the uh, D man pushed. Uh, Sorry. Oh, wow. I, I got to review that play, Rick. If that's what happened, if Kadri is the one that pushed the D-man in, then that's, yeah, he's got a lot of dirty hits. And uh, you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you get a lot of that stuff. So, no. No. Uh, so we have that series that right now, Colorado's 2-1. And you, as we said, Tampa finishes tonight. Who wins tonight, St. Louis, Colorado? I know Bennington's out, but Huso is still a very good goalie. He was a starter for a reason. I, I think Billy Huso rebounds. I think St. Louis rebounds. Um, it, Sam Gerard out. That's the big thing. I haven't I haven't seen any updates on Sam Gerard, but Sam Gerard's out. That's oh, a big wait, loss Sam Gerard broken uh, uh, broken sternum. He's done for the he's done for the playoffs. Oh, he's out. Oh, yeah, that's a big loss for them. I mean that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with St. Louis uh, taking and, this game And you took me into the upset, St. Louis over Colorado. So, uh, I, I said that we'll go seven games. I, I, I still think that St. Louis just, in the end, I think Colorado, their speed and their skill is great, but St. Louis plays playoff hockey. They know how to win. Um, I could I could see them coming out of the West and, and facing Tampa Bay in the finals, and I think Tampa Bay would beat them. So, I'm going yeah. to go with uh, – St. Louis tonight. I'll, I'll say, I'll say we're looking at a three-two victory for St. Louis tonight. 
Uh, Pavel Bujanovic gets his first of the playoffs. Ooh, that would cause an uproar on Rangers Twitter. Yeah, well, I mean, Rangers Twitter, the, there's so much that we know on Rangers Twitter. It's... Mm. <laughs> I, I got to say, though, the funniest thing I've seen on Twitter was the Carolina Hurricanes fans saying that the Rangers were mocking the storm surge. Um, I don't know how much of that fan base has been watching hockey for 10 plus years, but the Rangers were the very first team to do the stick salute mm-hmm. right after the 05 lockout ended. And that was on the insistence of Darius Kasparitis, not Yarmer Yager. So, Oh, um, all right. I thought it was Yager that brought it over. No, but... Yager was the one who led them, but it, the idea came from Darius Kasparitis. Um, who was on our show. Watch our interview with him, by the way. It was pretty funny. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious uh, interview. Yeah. Um, so, so the Rangers have been doing the stick salute longer than any other team. Uh, they were the team that started that. And uh, if anybody thinks for my storage, uh, I would suggest you go do your homework. And uh, I don't think that was the case anyway. They were They were just raising their sticks. There was definitely no mocking of the storm uh, surge. Uh, Bundy asked a great question. Um, I know you're going to, about Bissonette, I know you're going to yeah. toe the line pretty good. Exactly on that one. I had the editorial I did on it Saturday about what I think about New York fans. Unfortunately, we boast some of the best fans in sports. So we also boast some of the worst. And... When those guys are going off, and I watch those videos, they, they clearly got there. I try not to attack uh, other people unless I really have to or anything like that. My thing is, to our fans, all New York fans, do not prove them right. Don't. Uh, don't, don't, don't again, Ely, I, I showed that story, and, and you were sick to your stomach looking at that. Yeah, um, I don't approve any of that. That that's awful. Um, whoever is just a piece of human garbage. Um, yeah. There's no need to do that. There, there really is. Um, so don't prove these guys right. But um, Bissonette's just a clown. Um, so is Whitney. I don't, I don't care for them. I, I don't care for their podcast. I don't care for most of the stuff that Barstool does. The one, the one guy that I, I, I actually can tolerate is the 6'10 guy, who's their Rangers guy. Um, I've had some interactions with him. He's like a decent guy, um, knows his stuff. I, I, yeah, I, I do like talking. I mean, it's called spitting chicklets for a reason. They're, they're supposed to be acting like like the way they are. So I have no problem. Well, That's the way you guys want to do it. You're right ahead. I, I um, get it. it, it it's slapstick it's 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 to to make a rise out of people but like at the same time they conduct themselves in the worst possible way and their takes are some of the worst takes i have ever seen like yeah i i just could you make it any more obvious that you just love pittsburgh ryan whitney can you please you mean the team that drafted them and you want to family cup with yeah, he did, he didn't win a Stanley Cup with them though. I thought he won one in 09. Nope, he got Chris Kunitz at the deadline. Oh, that's right. Yep, Chris Kunitz, oh. he was traded for Chris. Kunitz. So, um 
And no, no. And by the way, uh, Donnell, no, it's not that I don't like him on TV. I mean, I, I, I think he's pretty good on TV. It's when he does the spinning chicklets and he's, he's going a little bit overboard. That's all. Crying Whitney. Now, by the way, one thing I do have to make fun of. One, if if I get on a rant about it, I'm just gonna stop. I'm never gonna stop. But I mean, Pink Whitney, really? Just saying with that. <laughs> the the vodka that every girl has asked me for. So, uh, so that's that's about it on that one. All right, guys, because uh, I got a long night ahead of me and I gotta sign off here. You guys are always great. Uh, like I said before, Tuesday night, I'm going to be a timeout in Hicksville. It's where I tend to watch the games when I'm just trying to be low-key. But this time, why not get a crowd there? Uh, I know Mike NYR said he might have come down. Um, that'd be great. And if, I, if I end up being by myself, that's also great, too. So it's um, so I hopefully I don't say anything stupid during the game because uh, sometimes I have reflexes like that. But uh, – yeah, come on down. Uh, probably do a post game show. Probably do a Mark's drunk uh, recap. Hopefully, I'll be a little bit more coherent than I was the other night. Uh, I know Matador. I know I'm going to end up owing you uh, cigars and maybe whiskey next year because I guaranteed Kaka was going to get 50 points. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Guys, anyway, thank you all very much. And the final. Total on the poll, 89% of you, or sorry, 84% of you think the New York Rangers are going to tie this series, and I would be in that 84%. Philk, go ahead. Prediction, game four. 2-1 nail biter. Rangers win. I'm going to go 3-1 again. I think this is still going to be a low-scoring series, and I still think that favors Carolina, but the Rangers could play that too. So, again, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'll try to make sure there's a link to the Darius Casparitas interview on here and the Ray Ferrar interview that Phil mentioned. But, everybody, thank you very much again for joining us. Thank you for Pete Mackin for helping out with this and getting the Carolina perspective. And we will see you all soon. Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers. Uh...